Hello, welcome back to Rugby with Pads. For some of you listening, this might be your second listen in two days. I want a bit of a roll at the moment, but it's early on in my podcasting career. And I want to make sure that at this time of the year, where it's a really important time, draft season, that you get as much content as you need to do as well as you can this year. Today, I'll be going over my top 10 draft tips, and hopefully you'll pick up a few nuggets of information that will be really important to you. Remember, this is aimed at beginners. This is the kind of information that I wish I would have had when I was first starting out. So bear that in mind as you go through. Even if you're a seasoned veteran, you might find something in there that you pick up on or you want to try out, but this is really aimed at people who just need to write the ship a little bit. So bear that in mind. For most, the draft is where the season starts. It's definitely the way the most hype happens at the very least. Although common wisdom says you can't win your league in the draft, you can certainly lose it. I learned the hard way in my first few years, and I never want anyone to be struggling like I did. You want to thrive, not survive, during what can be a very long season if you're set up with a bad team from the off. So here's, I guess, 10-ish tips, tricks, and nuggets for you to start your journey in the draft. Number one, draft a running back early. Simply put, there are many good running backs. I'll disclose this in my tiers ranking episode, but once you get past round two, you'll be lucky to find a player who will be a stalwart for your team. There is definite value in the back end of drafts with players breaking out. Just look what Elijah Mitchell did last year. But at the same time, you don't want to take the risk on what is not a very deep position. You will see many teams who don't take an elite wide receiver early, going running back, running back, and sometimes even running back again in the third round, just to get the position done with. Although running backs are probably the most injury prone position, they are replaceable. Handcuffs, otherwise known as the next man up, are typically available as a waiver wire at a later time. For some elite players, you might want to draft their backup in late rounds, but normally you'll find a replacement ready and waiting for you when you need it. Regardless, the top five guys will be gone before the seventh pick, and the top ten likely gone before midway through the second round. Mads alone say you're only ever going to get an RB2 from that point on, so in my opinion, go with the high bind and draft a running back early. That said, I don't throw shade at zero RB crowd. Zero RB is a valid strategy, whereupon you capitalize on getting the best player available at other key positions like wide receiver and tight end. While everyone else is scrambling around for running backs, then you strike and draft running backs when everyone is tired of looking for value. The problem this year is that there's a bit of an RB dead zone. With players with so much uncertainty due to either scheme, injury, or the rest of their players on their team massively affecting their upside. Do it at your own peril. I, for one, won't be, and I will be, repeat with me, everyone, drafting my running backs early and likely often. Number two, wait on a QB. Unless you don't. Now, in the last episode, I spoke about how QB is the most important position, in terms of points scored anyway. Whilst a running back one will probably get you 12 to 15 points most week, you'll be looking for a quarterback to get you 20 to 25. However, this is where the difference comes. The difference between Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen and someone you can get later like Jalen Hurts isn't actually a big gap. For all the reasons I stated why you should get a running back early is why you should also wait on a QB. If you draft a QB in the first five rounds, you're missing out on a potential running back one, wide receiver, or a role player in a position that is much, much thinner. Last year, Tom Brady, who was in most formats a top five QB, was drafted 13th overall as a consensus QB2. It's the GOAT. 
If you had him, you were laughing. While Patrick Mahomes was typically drafted in the top three rounds, he actually had worse production than Tom Brady last year. You can't predict the future, but you can predict three things. A highly ranked QB won't live up to their average draft position. You can get a better player that you need early on to keep up with the competition. And there will be talent available on the waiver wire after you draft that won't harm you as much as you think. This year, I haven't drafted a QB before the seventh round, targeting high upside players like Jalen Hurts, who runs a lot, or Russell Wilson, with all the weapons around him in Denver. Even still, I'd rather pick up Alan Robinson or DeAndre Hopkins if they're still available at that time. In the ninth round, you're likely to get someone like Brady. In the tenth, Matt Stafford, or Aaron Rodgers even. And in the eleventh, probably Trey Lances might still be available. He's got massive upside and could be a league winner. You back him up with a known commodity like Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or even Matt Ryan, and you have a great position group without giving up too much. Number three, wait on a tight end. This might sound like I'm laboring the point, but for all the reasons I've mentioned and more, wait on a tight end. Unless you can get Kelsey, Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts in the late second or third. The reason I say this is I think personally players like Travis Kelsey can be the worst value you can have on your team. Yes, Travis Kelsey is going to be Patrick Holmes' number one target. Sure, he's going to be a monster, but drafting him in the first will kill your team. You miss out on a running back one, a wide receiver one, and maybe more because you're overpaying in the first round. Yes, you can set and forget it, but you will find a lot of value later on in the draft. Six rounds later, you can get TJ Hawkinson, a number one target on a granted a worse team, but you've got to give up a lot less. Ten rounds later, you can get Hunt Henry, the number one touchdown receiver on the Patriots last year, and Mac Jones' escape valve on what will be a better team than it was last year. Even still, 13 rounds later, you can get players like Gerald Everett, a mountain of man in a pass-happy offense. There's always value later on, and the problem with tight end is that it's physical. George Kittle, for example, is always injured. But are you going to go get him in the third round? Mike Gesicki looks like a great option too, but in a 49ers-style offense, will he just be made to block too much? Maybe boring, but wait and ensure your team is good where else it counts. Number four, leave kickers and defense to the end. Or otherwise known as don't try and fill the active roster first. You could say that these first four points are the same, but it's really important not to see your roster as a checklist. If it was, you'd draft QB, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, wide receiver, kicker, defense. And after nine rounds, you'd likely have the best quarterback, kicker and defense, but you'll lose more games than you win because the rest of your team is suffering. Kickers and defense score you the least points versus all other positions in most formats, so leave them to the end. You'll likely only have one of each of them on your roster, as there is value elsewhere, so even in a 12 to 14 man league, there will be 10 plus usable picks at each position every week. I would always vouch for streaming both. Looking at the matchups and generally just looking to get an edge each week. These positions should never be seen as set and forget, and don't let them break the value you can find in the mid to late rounds. I've also spoken about tight end and QB in the later rounds, with TB12 available in the 10th plus round, and a possible tight end one available in very late rounds. My recommendation is to ensure you have depth of positions where you need multiple in your lineup, and who are more likely to get injured. Your bench is important, remember that. Make sure you try and find value, backups, and generally look to ensure your team is balanced in terms of risk before going after positions that you just need but don't want. 
Number five, in the early rounds, balance risk. So with the first four points, we've perhaps looked at the sample draft order, with the first few rounds consisting of one or two running backs, a wide receiver or two, and maybe a position for your flex. But we haven't spoken about who to draft. I'm not going to tell you that you must draft player X in position Y, but I will tell you the kinds of player that you can consider. And ultimately for me, I like to balance risk. Many top analysts will tell you the key to a successful season is to mitigate and navigate risk. And this holds true in the early rounds. Here you can't win your season, but you can certainly lose it in the draft. My recommendation would be to balance risk in round pairs. If you look to take a risky running back early who has an injury history, say CMC or perhaps Saquon Barkley, balance him out with someone with more definite production, even if it's a lower ceiling or top end. I frequently balance Eckler, who may have some games he's missed out on, but he's a known producer with someone a bit riskier like Saquon in the second round. If you choose to go early on wide receiver with a Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson, balance risk by not missing out on top running backs. A DeAndre Swift will likely fall to you and will do well as a solid running back one. And I personally would double down with someone like Leonard Fournette, who will be a top performer at the highest level in the third round. Think about the risk you're taking each round. Is it too high? No matter. Go low risk in the next round. If you're taking a safe option, go for broke in the next. A balanced team shouldn't just be safe performers, as if you're safe, you'll probably lose the matchups to those who have taken risks and have a higher ceiling play than you. There's no exact science, but a good metric to look at for running backs is snaps played and for wide receivers, percentage of targeted routes run. A high percentage of these will mean lower risk and hopefully higher reward. Previous performance is also useful, but think about what's changed around them and occasionally, but not always, look around the hype surrounding them. Number six. In the middle rounds, look for winners or balance your team. As you go to the middle rounds, change your approach based on what you did earlier. If you went high risk in the early rounds, level out and ensure your team looks a bit safer, tightening up position groups you let slide or neglected. Alternatively, if you are safe, swing for league winners. League winners are players where you don't pay much in draft capital, but can slip into being one of the best in their position. We've already covered how you can do this at tight end and QB, but for running back and receivers, it's a little bit different. For receivers, I'd look at one of two kind of players. Second year wideouts due for a breakout, or known commodities who've had a down year. Last year, look at Debo. Enough said for a second year breakout. This year, look for players like Elijah Moore, who flashed last year and are going to be more trusted going into year two. For players who have underperformed but have a talent that are surrounding them, look at players like Alan Robinson, who has never had a top QB before, now paired with Matt Stafford. Michael Pittman should also improve immensely, with Matty Ice over Wentz, and Cortland Sutton, because Russ is a huge upgrade over Drew Locke. For running backs, draft youth. Young rookie running backs do well. I'd be looking at Brees Hall, Ken Walker if they're still available. They have huge upside and not many miles on the proverbial clock. They'll run and be put to good use for your team. Number seven. In the late rounds, guess what? Swing for the fences. If you follow the steps to this point, you should have a balanced team that should score you a few points. You've got balanced risk and it probably won't embarrass you. Now is your time to shine and swing for the fences. Whilst it's easy to think you should stick with ADP and just get the next desirable player according to the ranking, the likelihood is that you're not going to rely on that player you draft in the 12th round, week in or week out. So why not take a risk? A massively oversized wide receiver or a tight end who runs a 4 4 40. 
or a running back who looks like a lineman, look for mismatches as an opportunity. In uncertain backfields, a rookie running back could come good. Perhaps an unsigned free agent with plenty of skill could be your call. Or maybe a QB who's never seen the field could be the player to go for. None of us can predict the future, but we can give ourselves the best chance. What we do know is that players like Tyler Boyd, Alex Matson, and your backup running backs aren't going to win your leagues. So buck the trend and give yourself a winning edge. Number eight, watch what people around you are doing. But don't obsess about it. Just know what your league mates are doing during the draft. At some point, there may be a run on QBs, and do you want to risk being left out? In mocks, this won't happen often, but in real life, people panic, make odd choices, and it can lead to draft strategy falling apart. But don't panic if this happens. Look at what your opponents need, who they last drafted, and what you think they need next. You could pivot and shake up a run, or use it to your advantage to gain a highly valuable player that might fall to you. I've already seen drafts this year where six QBs went in the first two rounds. Someone really, really wanted Josh Allen and went from in the number five spot, which then led to panic. Number six, number seven, and number nine panicking and taking up QBs. I was at the number 10 in a 12-man league, and when it was all, all was said and done, my top running backs ended up being Najee Harris and Dalvin Cook. The run on QBs meant that later round QBs went even later as well, meaning I had a positional advantage and I was able to pick up Russell Wilson paired with Cortland Sutton in the ninth and sixth rounds, respectively. There are times where you want to go with the crowd, and if you need reminding, rewind to tip one. But don't be afraid to buck the trend because, number nine, other people don't always have the right answer. AKA, your league mates are probably stupid. Well, they're not, but it's a good idea to have some arrogance and confidence in your team over the others and your strategy. Every pick in the draft is a weighing of the scales. If you have a pick of three players you like, the likelihood is you'll miss out on two of them. They're not coming back to you. Same is true for everyone else too. For every player they pick, they are choosing to prioritise one position on their roster and potentially sacrifice and punt on another. You won't always have the best player in every position. If you are, well, you've done great. You're going to win your league because your league mates are actually stupid. But instead, each roster should have its pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses. When you match up, you want to make sure that you're happy leaving the draft and that you've got more strengths and weaknesses. Having the confidence in your own convictions throughout is key. Stay calm, be patient, don't subscribe to herd thinking, unless it's point number one, and don't assume that people around you know better. Hell, don't even assume that I know what I'm talking about. And number 10, practice, practice, practice. By the time this comes out, you'll probably have 14 days before the regular season starts, and likely seven days before draft season ends. Take 10 minutes of your day to practice your strategy. Get familiar with players and have a plan of what you want to do. Put together the resources you think are going to be useful and test them out. Mock drafts are a brilliant way to learn about players. Learn about yourself and to understand what does and doesn't work for you. By practicing, you'll have the best chance of leaving your draft happy, even if you don't follow the rest of my tips. If you know what you're drafting for, make sure you know it inside and out. If you don't, my recommendations would be draft in the third, sixth, and ninth position. Draft in these spots two or three times to experience what it's like to draft from the start of a draft, the middle of the draft, and the back end. And see what kind of players might fall to you, and ultimately, who you might want to target. And that's exactly what I'm going to do in my next episode. I'm going to do a mock draft bonanza, if I can, 
My aim is to show you my draft tiers, some of my plans for my home league, do a draft from the three spot in my keeper league, which should be fun, and another two mock drafts from the sixth and ninth position respectively, using slightly different formats to keep it interesting. For you guys, I've personally done a tier list, which is something that I will talk about in my next episode, but I'll leave the link in it in the description below. And that's it. 10 tips to help you through your draft this year. Really, it could be three, but 10 just works with the podcast algorithm and it's much easier to write. This is not a guaranteed recipe for success, but it is a tool set that you can use to build your perfect strategy. Please tune in sometime next week where I'll start getting into the regular schedule around stuff like this. Thank you to anyone who's made it this far and anyone who's listened to every episode so far. I'm hoping there's going to be a couple of you out there. This has been really fun writing this kind of stuff. And it's been really interesting looking at my own strategies and my own thoughts around this and really looking to analyze them. I am not an analyst. I'm an amateur. Hopefully what I bring to the table is a bit of a refreshing look for you and something that is a little less intimidating to take in. There are so many draft strategy books out there, so many draft strategies posted on the web, on Twitter. There's a hundred analysts you could listen to who are going to have great insight. But what I want to do is try and distill what's the easiest way to make this sport accessible. Please tune in to sometime next week where I'm going to do that mock draft, the mock draft extravaganza that is. And I'll look to build a bit of a regular schedule around the game we love to play. Please like, rate, subscribe, follow, and all that good stuff. Find me on Twitter at RugbyWithPads or on email RugbyWithPads at gmail.com. Thanks again if you've listened this far and I look forward to seeing you on the virtual gridiron.